This student ministry podcast is a sermon preached by Pastor Jim Shetler at the 2008 West Coast Baptist Teen Camp. Pastor Shetler is the senior pastor of the First Baptist Church in Santa Maria, California, and we hope this message is a blessing to you. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 3, the Bible says, For this is the will of God. Boy, Brother Chuck, I want to know God's will. Here it comes. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Let me tell you something about your sanctification. There's three parts of your salvation. The moment you trusted Christ as your Savior, you got saved from the penalty of sin. That's your justification. Then you get saved from the power of sin. That's your sanctification. And one day, praise the Lord, we're going to be saved from the presence of sin. That's your glorification. There's three parts of your salvation about sin. There's the past. You're saved from the penalty of sin. Right now, you're being saved from the power of sin. And then one day, we're going to be saved from the presence of sin. And your sanctification is learning how to be saved from the power of sin in your life. All right? For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Now, I need some help on verse 4. That every one of you, that means every one of you, every one of you should everybody together only the next three words. That every one of you should, everyone together the next three words, Know how to. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if I started preaching on about you, young people need to be pure. Your young people need to do this right. You need. You know what? You probably heard a thousand messages about what you're supposed to do. But today, you're going to learn a message, and you're going to get a message on know how to. Nobody in here, after today's message, is going to be able to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and be able to say to Jesus, you know... I, I didn't get that out of my life because I didn't know how to get that out of my life. Young person, there cannot be anything more practical that I'm humanly able to give you than what I'm going to give you today. I mean, this is the basics of your Christian life, even on a moment-by-moment experience. You're going to know how to, know how to what? Know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. You're going to know today how to take care of your body, how to, how to overcome and have victory over sin. And I, those things get me excited. Have you ever heard this verse before? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. But have you ever wondered... Yeah, what is that way of escape? Okay, he promises a way of escape, but what is that way? I'm going to give you seven, seven ways to escape temptation today that's going to be really helped to you. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the word victory. Dana, I don't think we're going to be able to do it. Okay, we're going to take the, na- we're going to take the word victory, V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. We're going to take the, the word victory, And we're going to give you a principle for every letter of the word. Now, I don't want to get you scared right away because here's what we're going to do. Some of the letters I'm going to park a little bit. 
Some of the, and the first one I parked for a little bit, about 10 minutes on the first one. Some of the letters will go through in about one or two minutes. It won't be long at all. So don't get scared on the first letter going like, this is going to be a two-hour message. No, 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 it won't be at all. But the first letter I really do want to spend some time on. So we're going to go through and we're going to take the word. So if I were you on your paper, I'd go V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. That's the Christian battle cry. And we're going, to get, we're going to take those letters and we're going to give you a principle for every one of those letters how you can live a holy life. Young people, it has been a joy and a thrill to preach to you. And if you came into my office and you said, Brother Scheller, I'm struggling with an eating disorder. Pastor Scheller, I struggle with pride. I struggle with my tongue. I struggle with worry. I struggle with lustful thoughts. I struggle whatever area you would come to me and say, man, I, I struggle with punctuality. I struggle with just getting organized in my life. I struggle with depression. I get so discouraged. I'm so melancholy. Whatever area you would come and see me about, Lord, I'll I, I tell you, Brother Scheller, I struggle with bitterness. I just can't forgive some people that have done me wrong. I know I'm supposed to, but I struggle with bitterness. Whatever area you would come in and see me about, this is what I'd give you to have victory over it. Here we go. V is for vigilance. Vigilance. Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may destroy. Young person, you have got to start becoming vigilant in your life. What does it mean to be vigilant? Whenever I pray for the troops over in Iraq, do you pray for their troops over in Iraq? You should. Man, you ought to pray for our men and women that are protecting our soil. Do you know the number one thing I pray for our troops? I pray for vigilance for them. Because of the insurgents, because of the warfare that they're facing, they've got to be alert. Because their enemy may be a woman with a bomb strapped upon her. I mean, the warfare that our men and women are fighting right now in Iraq is really unlike any kind of warfare we've ever experienced before. And our soldiers have to be vigilant. They've got to be constantly alert and watchful for what's going on. Young people, can I tell you this? When you're 14 years old, you don't think you have to be vigilant of Satan's attack. But Satan knows that if I can mess up a young person's life when they're 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years of age, they will have regrets at least and be messed up for good at most the rest of their lives. So Satan, if you know Christ is your Savior, how many of you know Christ is your Savior? I got to tell you right now, you have a huge target on you. If it's a kid that doesn't know Christ is their Savior, the devil's already got them. He doesn't have you, and he wants to ruin your life. Young person, if you want to live for the Lord and you're saved, you've got a target on you, and you've got to be vigilant of Satan's attacks. You've got to know that there's a spiritual battle going on. Some years ago, I was speaking up at a week of meetings in a place called East Chicago, Indiana. It's right on the border of Chicago, Illinois. It's East Chicago, Indiana. Is there anyone here <clears throat> that has ever been to East Chicago before? Okay, we got, we got a couple. Do you know what East Chicago is? It is the murder capital of the United States of America. Per person, 
More people are murdered in East Chicago, Indiana, than in any other place in the United States of America. I'm telling you, it's a terrible place. Well, I'm speaking there a week, and I'm doing an inner city work. And uh, the pastor says, hey, Jim, I am the police chaplain for the East Chicago Police Department. I said, you kidding me? You are? He said, yeah. Would you like to ride in a squad car with us one night after one of the services? I thought, oh, That'd be the coolest thing in the world. I said, man, I'd love to do that. Man, that'd be great. So one night uh, after the service, I preached for about seven minutes and uh, got done. And then we, 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 uh, I had to change my clothes. And I, uh, I got in, you know, some blue jeans and a, and a turtleneck and everything. It was pretty cold. And uh, we go outside and I walk over to the squad car. And there's the police officer. His name is Nick Colcutt. And he's leaning up against the, the, the car when I come out of the church. And I'm walking over to him. I'm going to shake his hand. And when I walk over to him to shake his hand, he picks up two things and he walks towards me. I go, what's he got? What in the world? He has a bulletproof vest and a 9 millimeter Taurus handgun. And he hands them to me and he says, here, these are for you. I took my, <laughs> you're kidding, no. And I said, I said, wait a second. I said, what do you want me to do with this? He says, you put the bulletproof vest on and you carry the nine millimeter with you. I said, <laughs> I know you, no. If you're going out with me, you're putting the bulletproof, on, bu- bulletproof vest on and you're carrying the nine millimeter. I said, you're kidding me, aren't you? He says, no, not if you're going with me. I go back into the church in the restroom to change. And I take my chair, and I am shaking like this. I'm going, I can't believe this. I've never put one of these on before. i got this bulletproof vest on, and I take this 9 millimeter. I said, I don't know what I'm doing with this. I'm going to shoot myself with this before I'm going to shoot anyone else. I said, so I put it, and I had blue jeans on, and I put it in my blue jeans. And I'm, and I'm thinking the whole time, and I'm, I'm in the restroom putting this stuff on, if my wife knew that I was doing this, She'd shoot me, you know, she'd kill me, you know. So I come back out, and he puts me in the back seat. Now, to get in the back seat, you have to go, I am scared to death already. I'm going like, wow, this is for real. Well, I remember we drove around for a few minutes, and finally he gets a call. It's a domestic violence call at some place. Well, we drive over there, and that was kind of cool. You know, we're driving over, lights on, you know, and we pull up to this place. Well, I can't get out because when you get in the back seat of a police car, they gotta be they gotta open you from the outside, you know. So I'm in the, I'm in the back, and we come up to this like government housing section or whatever like that. And he goes around and he opens the door. Now here it is, you know, probably about eleven o'clock at night or so. He opens the door and I get out. And I know you're gonna believe that I'm exaggerating, but young people, I'm really not. I get out of that car and I step on the sidewalk, and I am telling you. If the entire sidewalk is not covered with AK-47 shells, they're just laying everywhere. And I went, what's this? He said, you should have been here last week, man. There was a good one. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to just stay right in here. You know? He said, no, no, come on. I said, man, alive. I said, I'm not doing he said, oh, come on, come on, brother Jim, you got to come. I said, okay. So I start walking up, and you can hear the screaming and yelling going on in this one apartment. And we're coming up, and I am like this. I mean, I just, every little, I am so scared, but there's one thing I am. I am vigilant. 
I am so alert. I am so watchful. My ears are perked. My eyes are open. I am looking for anything that might happen. I am scared to death. Young person, you know what? You need that in your spiritual life. You, okay, you're at camp. Oh, this is great. I made a lot of decisions. And you go home and you're in a, how many of you come from a Christian home? Raise your hand. You need to be vigilant in your Christian home. You need to be vigilant and know, young person, when you got saved, Jesus Christ didn't place you on a playground. He placed you on a battleground. And you've got to be vigilant in your spiritual life. I'll tell you what you've got to be vigilant of. Two things. Number one, you have to be vigilant of Satan. But number two, you have to be vigilant of your own weakness. Every person in here has weaknesses. Now, I'll tell you what your weaknesses are. Some of them have to do with your age. The younger you are, you have certain weaknesses that somebody older doesn't have. You know what? The difference between an 18-year-old guy and a 12-year-old guy is pretty vast. I mean, it really is. What an 18-year-old guy may be going through, a 12-year-old and the same thing with girls. Your age, because, now, you know what? I'm 51 years of age. And the things I face now are different than what I faced when I was your age. Your age produces weaknesses. Let me tell you what else your gender does. There are certain things that guys struggle with that girls don't struggle with. There's certain things that girls struggle with that guys don't struggle with. Your age, your gender, your personality. Some of you are really extroverted, and that's really good, but that's caused you some problems. Some of you are really introverted and self-examining, and that can cause you problems. Some of you are melancholy. Some of you are this. Whatever personality you have, it, you will have weaknesses with that. Hey, you know what? You have weaknesses from your home environment. There is such a thing as generational sin that's passed down from generation to generation. Now, it can stop at any generation that takes responsibility for it. But in other words, if your parents had certain problems, there's a good chance you're going to have to face those. Young person, you need to know your weakness because of your age, because of your gender, because of your personality, because of your environment, because of the way you are. Every one of you have weaknesses. Do you know what your weakness is? Do you know what your weaknesses are? Do you know what, yeah, I struggle with this. You know, you know I, maybe other kids don't have this problem, but I, I've got this problem. You've got to be vigilant in that area. I had a young man I was counseling with for some time, came up to me but when we began, and he said, uh, Brother Shuttler, can you help me with my thought life? I'm really struggling with my thought life. I said, in what area? And he said, specifically sensuality. I said, I can help you. So we met together, we gave him some verses, and we would meet, oh, I don't know, every other week or something like that. We met about four times in a semester, and he was really doing well. Gave him projects, gave him Bible verses to memorize, and he was really doing well. We come to the last meeting of the semester, and he's in there, and I'm talking to him, and I can tell there's a difference with him. And I said, hey, you okay? I said, have you failed? He said, no. I said, what's the problem? He said, I'm worried about the summer. <clears throat> and I said, well, rightly so. I can understand that. He said, Pastor, I'm going to fall this summer. I said, no, you're not. You've been victorious. You're doing good. You're not going to fall. And I think the Lord, I don't think I know, the Holy Spirit prompted me to ask him, hey, you have a summer job? And he put his head down. And he went, yeah. I said, what's your summer job? He said, I'm a, I'm a trainer in a, health, in a health club. I said, you're a trainer in a health club. I mean, he was. God was pretty buffed. And, and, uh, and I said, you're a trainer in a health club. Let me ask you, is it a co-ed club? He said, yeah. I said, do you struggle with your thought life there? He said, Pastor Shetland, more than you'd ever realize. I just struggle every day I go to work. It's just a constant battle. I know I'm going to fail. 
Well, young people, I'm not a rocket scientist. But I leaned over the desk and I looked at him and I said, have you thought about getting another summer job? And he said, Pastor, you don't understand. This job pays for my total college education. I need this job more than anything else. I mean, the, what I will make this summer at this health club will more than pay for my whole next year of college. I said to him, I said, young person, let me tell you something, young man. Your mind and heart is more important to Jesus Christ than your financial bill. I said, you trust the Lord for that, and he'll take care of the rest. You know what? That summer, that young man got two jobs to take care of his financial. He also kept him really busy. He got a different job. I saw him in in September. I'd kind of forgotten about some of the things. He came up to me. He said, Pastor Shetler, greatest summer I ever had. I said, did you get another job? He said, yeah, Pastor Miller, God gave me two jobs. I'm all set. Young person, can I tell you this? You have got to be vigilant over your weaknesses. Whatever weaknesses you have, by the way, it could be a young person that is your weakness. In other words, you do fine spiritually until you're with that young person. And when you're with that young person, you fall. You've got to be vigilant of your weaknesses. Number two. I imagine the consequences. Imagine the consequences. You will never have victory over sin until you start imagining the consequences. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says this, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to himself uh, of, of corruption... Uh, for he that soweth to himself of the flesh shall reap corruption, and he that soweth to himself of the spirit shall reap a life everlasting. Young person, you have got to imagine the consequences of your sin. And can I tell you this? That's hard at 14 years of age. It is. At 14 years of age, you haven't experienced a lot of consequences of sin. So you think, okay, consequences of sin. Well, I looked at the internet, nothing happened to me. I did, I, you know, I got into some bad things, but nobody's caught me yet. I haven't experienced. That's why God's word is so important because God's word says that the way of the transgressor is hard. God's word gives illustrations and testimonies of the fact that people who messed up, I've been reading my devotions, I'm reading through the Bible, and I, I just finished Solomon. Solomon was incredible, his kingdom was glorious. And then it says in first king, and then it says, but he had strange women. And you know what? His whole life is ruined from that point on. His whole kingdom is ruined. Young person, you have got to learn the lesson that you will never sin where there will not be consequences. And then you've got to say this. Okay, man, I want to do this. Man, my flesh wants to do this. But man, if my parents find out, man, I'm going to get this. This is going to happen. I'm going to get suspended from school. My, oh, my whole testimony is going to be ruined. It's not worth it. Young person, you will never overcome sin until you can imagine the consequences of those sin in your mind. When you finally come to the point and say, it's not worth it. Now, I'm going to be real transparent because I really do want to help you. I get on an airplane. And I sit next to a very beautiful woman, attractive woman. Do you know the first thing that I do? The first thing that I do, I bring out my hand to make sure it's visible that I'm married. And I immediately start talking about my wife and kids. (laughs) Pastor Scheller, do you really think that that woman's going to really... Look at you, Pastor Scheller. Do you really think that that woman's going to make a move at you? No. I want to make sure that I don't make one towards her. And I will tell you this. I am going to imagine the consequences. Dear God, 
it'll never be worth it. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my calling. I love my ministry. And I want to protect myself. Young person, can I just share this with you? You have got to imagine the consequences of your sin. And you've got to say, because there's sometimes, you know, last night we talked all about love the Lord and serve Him for love. But you know what? There's sometimes the only reason why I didn't commit a sin, I didn't want the consequences of that sin. That's the only reason. And you know what? That's not bad. That's a good reason to stay away from sin. Young person, you've got to imagine the consequences of your sin. See, Cry out to God. Be vigilant. Imagine the consequences. Cry out to God. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 6, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. I love that verse. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Young people, there's got to be a time in your spirit and soul when you're tempted with sin that you cry out to God and say, God, help me right now. Six times in the book of Judges, the Bible says that Israel goes through the sin and they get in trouble, they get judged. And then the Bible says six times in the book of Judges, when the, and I wrote it down, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer. And young people, when you cry out to God and say, God, I'm going through a temptation right now, and God, I need your help right now. And you cry out to God, God will help you. Man, if he loves you at all, when you're going through a temptation, if you cry out to him, he'll help you. I'm going to show you in just a moment how that's done. Let's go to T. V is for vigilance. I is for imagine the consequences. C is for cry out to God. T is take thoughts into captivity. Everybody take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians Chapter number 10, take thoughts into captivity. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll begin reading at verse number 3. The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, in other words, fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now listen to this. Casting down imaginations. By the way, the word there is the word conclusions. Things that you've concluded in your mind against God. <clears throat> Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing, everyone, would you say it with me? And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now let me tell you, young person, this is the Christian life right here. You have got to learn to take your thoughts into captivity. A thought becomes a desire. A desire becomes an action. An action becomes a habit. A habit becomes a character. And a character becomes a destiny. Now listen to that progression. Thoughts become desires. Desires become actions. Actions become habits. Habits become character. Character becomes a, de a destiny. Young person, out of all those things, which is the easiest to fight? It is really hard to change a person's character. It is extremely hard to break habits. It is very difficult to change actions. It is a tough thing to fight desires. Young person, if you don't have victory in your Christian life at the thought level, 
good chances you're living the defeated Christian life. You have got to take your thoughts into captivity. It is your thought life that you must immediately grab a hold of. Now, I'm going to give you something that you can't find anywhere in the Bible. But I'm going to tell you, it has changed my life. Several years ago, I listened to this guy from Colorado Springs. He's a biblical counselor. And I'm listening to this guy's tapes. They are the most boring tapes I have ever heard in my life. The guy is absolute monotone. All right, at this time, if you take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and let's continue on with our reading today and our study. The guy was so boring. I am having the hardest time to stay awake, but the information this guy was given was fabulous. So I'm trying to take notes and trying to listen. I'm going like, do something. Raise your voice. Move your hand. Do something to keep me awake, you know? And I'm going, I'm really struggling. And he says, probably the greatest thing I've learned to do is to take my thoughts in the first four seconds. I call it the four-second rule. If you take your thoughts in the first four seconds, chances are you'll have victory over them. Rewind that. What was that again? He gave me what I call, what he called the four-second principle. Let me tell you what the four-second principle is. He said, if you take that thought in the first four seconds and you grab it and you take it into captivity, you'll have victory. But if you wait more than four seconds, it's too late. Young person, I'm going to tell you something. That, back eight years ago, changed my spiritual walk with the Lord. You see, I was trying to battle temptation way down in the desire and action area and going, man, I'm living defeated. But what I needed to do was take the temptation in the very first four seconds that it comes into my mind. And as soon as it comes into my mind, as soon as I begin to entertain it, I got to take it right then. And I got to say, no, this is not good. Out it goes. No, this is not a good thought. Out it goes. Young person, if I let that thought stay too long in my mind, I'm going to live defeated. You have got, in order to live the victorious Christian life, when the thoughts come into your mind, you've got to take them in the first four seconds or you'll never live victorious. We're going to come back to that, but let's look at O. V is for vigilance. I is for imagine the consequences. C is for cry out to God. T is for take your thoughts into captivity. O is for the omnipresence of God. The omnipresence of God. Now, I know all of you don't go to Lancaster Baptist. I know you don't. But could you imagine next week, wherever you go, Pastor Paul Chapel were to go with you? Can you imagine? Where, when, if you went into the internet, Pastor Chapel's right there. Can you imagine if you went up to the store, you went to the Walmart, you went to the mall, Wherever you went, when you were in the car and you're going to turn on the radio, Pastor Chapel would be there. Let me ask you something. Would that affect the way that you live at all? Knowing that Pastor Chapel was right with you. What if Brother Schmidt went with you? Everywhere you went, whatever you did, Brother Schmidt was right there. Would that affect the way that you live next week? Well, can I tell you this, young person? There is one much greater than Brother Chapel and Brother Schmidt. He's the Holy Spirit of God. And young person, you will never go anywhere that the Holy Spirit of God doesn't go with you. You have never gone into an internet site. You have never texted a message. You have never done anything that the Holy Spirit of God is not with you. Now, there is a guy in the Bible we talked about last night. Who did we talk about last night? What's his name? 
Joseph, good. There's a guy in the Bible named Joseph that I think his battle over temptation is incredible. First of all, he's a 17-year-old Jewish young man. He's got red blood flowing through his veins. You tell me that Joseph isn't like any guy in here. Joseph was just like any young man in here. He's 17 years old. He's 500 miles away from home. He's in a home with the most beautiful, gorgeous woman in the world. He said, where does the Bible say that? Well, you know what? Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. He could have got any woman he wanted as his wife. Tell me he didn't have a beautiful wife. I am sure Joseph had, uh, I am sure Potiphar had one of the most beautiful women in all of Egypt. And she set her eyes on Joseph. And one day, matter of fact, it happened several times. When Joseph was taking care of things in the house and being the right steward, she laid her eyes on him and tried to have immorality with him. Now, I've got a question for you. Think about this one for a minute. What did Joseph have to fight that temptation? Oh, Brother Scheller. I'm sure he thought about his pastor. And he thought, man, if I do this, man, Brother Schmidt will, I mean, I'm going to mess up the, no, he didn't have any church. Well, you know, maybe he went to Christian school. He didn't have a Christian school. Well, you know, maybe he listened to Christian radio there in Egypt. No, he didn't have Christian radio. Well, you know, once a year, didn't Joseph go to a Christian camp? No, he didn't have a Christian camp. Well, Brother Shetler, you know, he came from a good home. Well, we talked about that last night. Dysfunctional family, 500 miles away. Well, Brother Shetler, Joseph had the word of God. Where's Joseph found? Genesis. Joseph didn't have the Bible. Well, Brother Shetler, what did Joseph have to fight temptation? Great question. Evangelist friend of mine named Tom Farrell once told me this. Tom Farrell told me one time, he said, he said, Brother Jim, if I could put one attribute in the heart of every young person that claims to be a Christian, do you know what attribute that would be? And I said, no. He said, the omnipresence of God. He said, if I could put the omnipresence of God in the heart of every young person, that wherever they go, whatever they do, and whatever they think, God knows it, God sees it, and God's with them. It would make a difference in their life if they lived constantly with the omnipresence of God. Do you know why Joseph said no to Potiphar's wife? Not because his flesh didn't want it. Not because he didn't want to have that in his flesh. I'll tell you why. Because he said to Potiphar's wife, how can I do this sin against God? She said, it's just you and me alone in this house. Joseph says, no, ma'am, it's not. It's you, me, and God. And God's given me a dream. And God's given me of something that he's going to do with me. And ma'am, I am sorry, but the God of my great-grandfather, the God of, my God of my grandfather, and the God of my father is with me in this house. And ma'am, we are not alone in this house. God is watching. And it was the omnipresence of God that kept Joseph pure. Young person, when, it, when you don't have anyone else around you, you really find out what your faith is. And if you are going to fight temptation, you have got to have the presence of the omnipresence of God in your life. R, we're almost done. R, replace the old with the new. Now, you can also put down rely on scripture, but take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4 if you would. Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading at verse 22, 22 through 24. Replace the old with 
with the new or rely on scripture. The Bible says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, <coughs> that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on... The new man, which after God is created in the righteousness of true holiness. Young person, here's what you've got to do to be victorious Christian. You have got to get rid of the old, and you've got to put in the new. You cannot, young person, just say, okay, all right, I'm getting rid of things in my life. i got to get rid of this music in my life. i got to get rid of this friend in my life. I've got to get rid of this thing in my life. Okay, I got rid of it. Now I'll live victorious. No, you won't. When you take something out of your life, you've got to replace it with something else. If you take something out of your life that you say, I don't want this anymore in my life, then you've got to replace it with something else. And young person, he's saying here, put off concerning the former conversation and put on the new man. And I'll tell you what I think you got to do. You've got to get scripture in your heart and in your mind. You've got to start getting God's word in place of the other things so that your mind is full. Let's take for a moment this meeting room as your mind. It's all full of you young people. Let's say all of you young people represent good thoughts. Well, when a bad thought tries to come in, all the good thoughts will say no. Whatever you've got in your mind. And if you're trying to clean it up, you've got to get rid of this stuff and get a whole new batch in here in order to live a victorious Christian life. You have to replace the old with the new. And finally, before I get to why, I want to tell you something. Some of you are sitting there going, all right, okay. All right, Brother Shuttler, this is it. I gotta be vigilant. I gotta know my weaknesses. I gotta know Satan really wants to destroy me. I've got to imagine the consequences. <clears throat> I gotta cry out to God. I gotta take my thoughts in the first four seconds. I gotta realize constantly the omnipresence of God, and I gotta start relying on Scripture. But you know, Brother Shetler, I think I've done some of these things before. And I still live I've still lived defeated many times. Well, that's why there's why. And you got to get why. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans 8.13. I think this is the most important verse in the entire Bible on sanctification. Romans 8.13, the Bible says this. <coughs> For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. And that's what I don't want for any of you. I don't want you to live after the flesh. Ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body... Ye shall live. What a verse on sanctification. If you're going to live after the flesh, you're going to die. But if ye through the... Everyone together. I know you're getting a little tired, but everyone together. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Let me bring it all together now, and then I'm going to give you this incredible illustration of how to live this day by day. Because some of you just got points on a piece of paper. Let me show you how it works. The last letter Y, yield to the Spirit. Yield to the Spirit. Now, let me give you an illustration, and then let me give you a practicality how this all works. Years ago, I was, at a, I was at a pastor's conference, and a guy was up preaching. He was a young man. I don't remember what he was preaching on. I don't remember his name. I think he was a pastor somewhere over on the other side of Florida. But I don't remember his name. And he got up, and he gave this illustration. He said, you know, I remember one time on a Saturday morning, I was doing yard work. And my little six-year-old boy wanted to do everything that I was doing. 
He said, I was out mowing the lawn, and he came over to me. He says, Daddy, Daddy, can I help you mow the lawn? No, son, the, the, it's too dangerous. You, you can't use the lawnmower. You're, you're too young. A little bit later, he said he had the weed eater out, and the little boy came over and said, Daddy, Daddy, can I use the weed eater? He said, no, son, the weed eater's too dangerous. You're too young. You can't use the weed eater. A little later on, he had the edger out, and he was edging the, the sidewalk, and the little boy came running over and said, Daddy, Daddy, can I use the edger? No, son, you can't use the edger. It's, it's too dangerous. Well, it came to the end of the day, and he was putting all his tools away, and his boy was still pestering him. Daddy, is there anything I can do to help you? And the father said this to the son. He said, son, go blow the driveway off. The father remembered he had the blower out on the driveway, and that was something, it was an electric blower, that was something that he thought his little boy could do. So he said, son, go blow the driveway off. So the father continued cleaning up the tools and putting them away, and he left the shed. And when he left the shed, he didn't hear the blower. And so he came around to the front of the house, and there was his son on all fours, and the father watched his son for a few moments and said son what are you doing I'm blowing off the driveway dad like you said and he said oh son come here and he took him over to the electric blower he turned the blower on. He says, here, use this. It's going to be a lot easier. You know, young people, I've been a Christian now for 38 years. And can I tell you, the majority of that, I am ashamed to tell you, this is how I live my Christian life. How am I doing, God? God, I'm doing the best. I'm trying my hardest to get sick. I'm Lord, I'm really... Lord, I am... Lord, I'm trying my hardest. And God said, I didn't expect you to do it. I gave you the Holy Spirit to do it. Young person, can I tell you this? That you can do every one of the things that I said in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yield to the Spirit. Now, some of you are sitting out there right now saying, oh, that's a great little story. It's Oscar, right? Yeah, and that's a great little story he's given. But, you know, how does that make any practical sense? I mean, that's, that preaches well, but what does that mean on a daily basis? you have any idea, Oscar? Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Okay, now listen. Some of you are sitting there going, okay, yield to the Spirit. All right, I'm yours, Holy Spirit, do it. Go ahead, Holy Spirit, whatever you want, do it. You want my hand to go up? I'll do it. Holy Spirit, whatever you want, I'm going to yield to you. He told me to yield to you. Holy Spirit, I'm yielding. Go. Do it, Holy Spirit. Do it. Don't we all think that sometimes? Let me tell you how the Christian life works. Driving down the car, driving down the road in the car, holding on the steering wheel, I see a bulletin board. Immoral things on on the bulletin board. Okay? By the way, doesn't matter if you're 51 or 15. You still struggle with thought life. Okay? Driving down the road, see something I shouldn't see. What do I do? Let's put it all together. Vigilance. 
Man, I gotta guard, I gotta guard my mind. Man, I don't want the con I don't want to feel guilty later on. I don't want to have regrets. I need the power of God in my life. I'm going to preach. I don't need to, I don't need this. I don't want the consequences of this. Lord, cry out to God. God help me right now. I'm struggling right now. I want to keep looking at that bulletin board. I want to keep looking at that, Lord. Please help me. I gotta take my thoughts right away in the first four seconds. God, I know you're in this car with me right now. I know you know what I want to see. Lord, it says there there have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above uh, uh, what you are able, but will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Lord, I've quoted my verse. I've relied on that. Lord, what do I do right now? Now this is it. This is the whole Christian life. At that moment, you cry out to God. And you say, Holy Spirit, help me through this temptation. Now, here's what happens. At that moment, the Holy Spirit will tell you something to do. He may tell you to pray for your lost relative. He may tell you to start singing sanctuary. He may tell you to start thinking about something else. He may tell you to quote a verse. Young person, here is your Christian life. At the moment that you cry out to God, and you say, God, help me with this temptation, the Holy Spirit will reveal something to you to do. If at that moment you yield to the Holy Spirit, he'll give you the power to overcome the temptation. The Bible says it is impossible to please God without faith. So there's got to be a step of faith in your sanctification. You've got to do what the Holy Spirit says. If you say, you know what, Brother Scheller, this whole thing about this Holy Spirit thing, I tried. I've asked the Holy Spirit to help me, and I live a defeated life. No, what you haven't done is you haven't yielded to what the Holy Spirit told you to do at the moment you had that temptation. And in that first four seconds, you say, God, help me with this right now. Lord, I'm going to go back into that eating disorder. Lord, I'm getting bitter at that person again. God, tell me what to do. And at that moment, whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do, if you obey it at that very moment, you'll have victory over that temptation. Young person, that is as practical of a Christian life as you can get. It is a moment-by-moment -moment experience with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit reveals, Lord, help me. This is a very difficult temptation for me. God, you know this is the kind of music I like to listen to. Lord, you know this is the thing I want to talk about, but I shouldn't talk about it. Lord, I need your help right now. He'll tell you what to do. And if you obey what he tells you what to do at that very moment, you'll have victory over the sin. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.